नमस्कार वेलकम टू ग्लोबल इंसाइट एपिसोड थ्री टू वन प्लीज क्लिक ऑन द लाइक बटन ऑन दिस प्रोग्राम टूडे इज मंडे दूक्रेन यूरोप डिवेलपमेंट रशिया एंड यूक्रेन डिस्कशन कंटिन्यू एज एन अटैक ऑन बेस्ड क्लोज टू पोलैंड किल्स मेनी यूक्रेन लीडर्स इंसिस दैट द नेक्स्ट फेज ऑफ डिस्कशन शुड बी डायरेक्टली बिटवीन पुतिन एंड जेलेंसकी Israel Russia Ukraine mediation efforts continue and Jerusalem could emerge as one of the venues for negotiations and ceasefire Bennett clarifies that his Russia visit was to understand Russia's position NATO membership is not relevant or on the agenda reasserts Jens Stoltenberg Sridhar ji namaskar and welcome to Peepul's channel sir how are you doing Namaskar. Uh, good morning to everybody, and I'm doing fine, sir. You know, the uh, war fatigue has not taken over us, and uh, the COVID uh, is back on the agenda. So, plenty of excitement around the world. Um, so now, the third round of talks. Ukraine is suggesting that it be da- done mano e mano, and I think Russia is not going to accept that. Just my gut feeling. Your thoughts on how things are unfolding, sir? i think my thoughts are i think there is now clear clarity based on what we have heard from uh, both russian side as well as from mr bennett uh, and i don't think zelensky is prepared to concede or accept uh, the, the the position is very clear from the russian side which is namely acceptance of crimea make it legitimate its part of russia recognize the eastern provinces in the donbas region as independent and give them the freedom of right and choice uh denuclearize uh do not have an army and sign a commitment that you will never join any european federation let alone nato so these are the conditions that they have uh, very clearly placed otherwise they will fight to achieve their objective is what vladimir putin seems to have told uh, uh you know Mr Bennett and Naftali Bennett and Naftali has communicated that and Naftali has also stated I never told uh, Ukraine to surrender all I just said is that you know let's have a conversation so they're going there's going to be some solution I believe around that because this meaningless thing will not go on and let us hope that for the sake of everybody we can this is resolved and russia seeks military equipment and other aid from china with sanctions causing restrictions vladimir putin wants attempts to prevent russian exports of oil gas and fertilizers would have serious consequences chechen leader ramzan ramzan kadirov says that he traveled to ukraine this is a surprise sridharji chechens have been fighting for their own separate homeland for a long time russia you know brutally suppressed that now this is an interesting development this gentleman is uh, hoisted by russia uh, his father was hoisted and his father was killed in an assassination uh, he was young to take over there was a surrogate and then this gentleman took over subsequently that when he turned 30 is considered despotic and you know runs the regime in a very oppressive manner which is obviously with the support of russia there were a lot of uh you know at least from the from the independent or the so called independent media as well as from the ukraine say the chechen mercenaries were sent to assassinate and all of them were taken out uh by the ukraine 
bodyguards or forces uh, supporting Zelensky. So it's very interesting that this gentleman has made a statement uh, that he did travel to uh, Ukraine. Uh, sorry, he did travel to Ukraine and he was there. So it's very interesting in the uh, specific context, Shriji. And Russian default no longer improbable, but no cause for global financial crisis, says the International Monetary Federation. Russian finance minister confirms that close to $430 billion of Russian reserves are frozen. The balance of the reserves in gold and Chinese holdings feasible for access if China extends credit support. If I remember correctly, Sridharji, the Chinese uh, consortium AIIB refused to give energy credits to Russia a couple of weeks ago. Absolutely correct. We reported that the AIIB has... Uh looking at the situation has stopped further credits both to Belarus as well as to Russia as a result of the war. Uh, the number there is 300 billion. They have a $640 billion reserves of which 300 billion dollars has been frozen by the central banks. They have no access to that capital. The rest of the 340 billion dollars is in the form of gold and other other uh, aspects linked to uh, uh, to Chinese renminbi because of the exports that uh, China, uh, Russia makes to China. Now, there has been an attempt to uh, secure credit. This is what the Western media, this is what Russia, this is what uh, uh, the general media is reporting. As we got into the show, uh, Russia has basically disowned the claim saying that it is not asking for any credit from China nor it is asking for any other types of money that is required for them to acquire uh, arms. Just on the earlier segment, it's very important that suddenly Russia is realizing that it cannot move any of its goods. Most important, fertilizers, oil, commodities, and gas. The reason I mentioned fertilizers is India is one of the largest exporters of fertilizers and Indian farming apparently is reliant on these fertilizers coming from Russia. It's interesting some kind of blockade is going on so it's it's going to be uh you know next few days we'll unravel as to how this takes shape and many border countries alarmed by escalation such as latvia lithuania poland is ready to defend themselves uh, should war escalate sridharji we have also seen a lot of nato troop movements in these areas isn't it it is we have seen a tremendous number of uh, as a, as a result of the response force of NATO being activated. NATO has very categorically, explicitly stated that for the first time, the response force has been activated and there is uh, both defensive and offensive positions in those adjacent regions that you alluded to. Uh, the other notable point is that 400 million euros uh, worth of uh, defense and other supplies are going, uh, have been approved by EU in a very surprise move. Uh, and I think this is on top of the $300 billion worth of aid that uh, $300 million worth of, uh, you know, equipment and machinery and defense related uh, equipment that is being supplied by United States. Please continue, sir. I'm so sorry about it. We are continuing back. Uh, I can't explain what happened. It's just my computer completely rebooted. Please continue, sir. We were on the talking about uh, Russia's uh, uh, exports frozen to India and so on and so forth, sir. Right. I think the point that uh, just getting back to the earlier point, which I was alluding to, is uh, that Russia has is one of the largest exporters of fertilizers uh, to India. Um, so there are three areas he is feeling the impact of the sanctions. 
and also probably the blockade. And he's made it very clear, if there is any further attempt to block either fertilizers, oil and gas, uh, the countries which, is implement, which are implementing the sanctions uh, would face significant consequences. You know, this is his explicit statement. He's obviously frustrated that that is beginning to happen. Um, and also there is pressure from the United States and some of these other nations not to extend any credit and not to provide any leverage uh, to China, by, you know, they have issued this statement to China, uh, you know, do not provide any leverage, do not give him any credits uh, against, uh, you know, exports because he's going to abuse it. So he is feeling the pinch. It'd be interesting to see how he responds. And it's also interesting that the IMF has made a statement that Russia is going to default because there is not enough liquidity. There are also rumors that if they have only about seven days and they could be bankrupt. So there is an imminent default of Russia on its bond obligations. Whether it would have consequences, the IMF has stated, the consequences will be almost insignificant or redundant. Uh, and uh, that's a very telling point on the back of two major financial institutions quitting Russia last week. And the EU says that it would provide up to 450 million euros for armed deliveries to Ukraine, a historic precedent as it embraces post-war Ukraine. Right now, the application of Ukraine in EU is still pending, isn't it, Sridharji? The application of EU is still pending. The NATO point of it, which has been sending, uh, pending since 2004, uh, as you saw, NATO's uh, Jen Stoltenberg has made it very clear it's unlikely to be taken up and it is not an important uh, consideration for NATO at the moment. And in U.S. news, U.S. to send more weapons to Ukraine after Biden authorization. Remember that we had talked about this 13.9 billion authorized, 6 billion of that for arms, 3.9 towards rehabilitation of Ukraine and the other 3 million, uh, 3 billion, I forget what it is, a lot of money, a lot of taxpayer money clearly do, being done without telling any of us how they are going to spend it. Sridharji, I think you need to uh, probably have a standalone program on this new $1.5 trillion budget that, you know, Biden administration has got it passed. It, it's just happening in a blink of an eyelid, sir, $1.5 trillion. Well, I know. I think that uh, we'll wait for the U.S. section. Um, first on this, um, it's very unusual. We touched on this earlier. Very, very unusual for EU to send money uh, in the form of our support arms to a non-EU and a non-NATO nation. It is a very important precedent signifying that this war could spill into Europe at any given point in time, most notably after the attack close to the Polish border. It's also interesting that United States continues to lift and pump more arms on top of the $13.9 billion uh, aid that was sanctioned. With regard to this 1.5 trillion, we'll we'll do a separate 10 minutes. Uh, you know, we'll give you the line lineup. We'll also give you a lineup of the historic precedence or historic calculations of all the uh, money that United States has pumped uh, by borrowing from the market. And a White House spokesperson says that NATO will attack with full force if Russia attacks. 
US China, um, US wants China of consequences if it evades sanctions and supports Russia. According to US officials, Russia has asked China for military help. This is where the sticking point is. How do you think China is going to react, Sridhar Zee? There is a there is a growing sense of concern in China that China doesn't want to get entangled in any way, notwithstanding the fact any consequences that flow from violating the sanctions it would have on China. China has a very large domestic economy now relative to what they were 10 years ago. They are very specific trading partners in Asia. Russia, China is not Russia. So though they are making a personal case, uh, you know, this is United States, especially the National Security Advisor, you know, Deputy National Security Advisor Jack Sullivan, he was making the case and he was making it very clear to the Chinese, please be, do not supply arms and do not, uh, you know, give them cash credit for them to illegally secure arms. If you do so, it has significant consequences. The point is, unless and until China introspects and decides not to become part of this war, uh, there's no reason why China may uh, not heed to Russia's request. A recall, both, China, both Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin met on the, uh, you know, on the back of the Beijing Olymp Winter Olympics. Uh, they agreed to sign and uh, follow each other and form a partnership to take on what they call as the Western hegemony. And Pelosi claims government spending is reducing government debt and not causing inflation, contrary to market views. Suddenly, Pelosi has now become an economics expert, Sridharji? That's exactly. I, just wait, I was waiting for this item, which is namely to say, so it's like, you know, law of diminishing returns you pump more money no problem it's not that it is not it is not our money that is causing the problem because it is redistribution of wealth so therefore the money is going to the right people the problem now that uh, the democratic party is now propagating is uh, it is putin who is causing you a pain at the gas stations this is the message that is coming out now they're also saying that there is no uh, there's not inflation is okay what you are hearing from the markets and what we have seen what i have seen based on the data is we are not too far within the next couple of months to hit a double digit inflation rate which we have not seen double digit inflation rate we are at eight percent right now and uh, with all the supply chain issues with with asymmetric demand supply issues uh, with all these different sanctions uh, and with energy issues, we really have a problem on our hands in the United States, uh, Shriji. And Pfizer CEO says the world may need yearly booster shots to keep the COVID-19 pandemic at bay as U.S. cases rise to 81 million plus deaths at 993,811 and active cases have come down to 24 million one hundred and nine thousand seven hundred and sixty three very high number one in four u.s uh, citizens have now been inflicted at one point or the other with COVID. right sir 81 million is one yeah. in four one in four uh um, us yeah go ahead sir please go ahead no no finish your thoughts that you are asking so us vaccinates 557 million doses 
217 million are fully vaccinated. So the fully vaccinated percentage is still at only 65%, which means two in three are vaccinated, one in three is not. They are refusing to get vaccinated. If you go to rural US, people keep telling, you know, oh, no, 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 there are going to be other consequences because of this. It could be ignorance. It could also be some fear. We don't know. Side effects, probably. We don't know. But Sridharji, you know, US has a self-inflicted wound. They allowed millions in without checking for COVID. And that is keeping this thing alive. And for some reason, this Biden administration refuses to admit it. They have not even come out with a one-line statement saying so many came in and so many were, uh, you know, this is where the they are housed and these are where the hot spots are because you can immediately do a correlation sir i think vladimir putin in more than many ways has helped biden administration to get out of jail on a number of issues this is one of those issues there's issues going on around the dhs there's issues going on around the fast tracking of people there's issues going on around uh, security uh, of the people who have been uh, let in. There's issues going on around people with vaccinated, people with COVID being allowed in, etc. Shinji. So, uh, and then of course, this uh, mismanagement around the budgets. We have not talked on election, election fraud. At least two states have propped up. So, Vladimir Putin has given, has been a very good distraction on many of these issues. So I think you have hit the nail. The point that we wanted to make here is United States will have 1 million deaths. 1 million deaths. Probably we need to go back to World War II or a great plague to look at the numbers. 1 million deaths in a short span of time. As she pointed out, we have toggled between 20 to 25 million active cases, you know, consistently, which we have been reporting for the last eight or nine months. Then on the, uh, the, the other point that Sriji pointed out, we were supposed to cross in October, November last year, 70% fully vaccinated. We are in March 2022, only 65.7% vaccinated. Why? Because there has not been active engagement and communication. Why? Because we kept on, you know, you do vaccinated, you do dose one, you do dose two, you do booster. Now today Pfizer says, no, you need to have fourth booster or fourth dose for you and it has to be every year for you to take care of so there is a distrust amongst people whether this is going to be solved or whether they're going to you know continue to vaccine uh, vaccinate us and should they choose to do so what is the consequence of uh, of uh, this uh, continuous and perpetual vaccination by the way this if you are a united states uh, you know citizen or a resident we still have to take our annual flu vaccines over and about this. Okay, there is no escape from our flu vaccines either. This is tremendous challenge for many who live in the United States. Sridharji, personal experience about flu vaccines. Every time I took the flu vaccine are the years I felt sick. So I have stopped taking it 10, 15 years ago. Sorry, it's optional. I don't take it. I'm happy. I don't get the flu. But again, I don't interact much. I'm interacting mostly online. And, and except for today's snafu, you know, more or less, I'm able to connect with our audiences. Thank God for that. But this is just my personal experience, sir. I don't know how your experience has been taking flu shots. It it always flattens me for five, six days if I take the shot. Otherwise, I seem to be okay. I don't know why. 
there's always a reaction sir so you are a, i think stay healthy and be safe and you are lucky and uh, you know you be that way sir so stay away from unfortunately my health conditions mitigate i have to take i have to take the flu vaccines and uh, you know as you rightly said you know we all face if not every year every other year we face the consequences of it and us stock market futures rise as markets monitor russia ukraine war brent drops 110 dollars a barrel and the us 10 year bonds cross 2% mark and are at 2.06% sir i don't remember the 10 year bonds crossing 2% in a long long time sridhar ji long time long time many moons ago we were at 0.43 basis points sridhar yeah uh, yeah the last time it crossed to was uh, in 2019 when two step up increments happened uh, under jerome powell and you know mr Pr mr the president mr trump you know really took uh, to the press and tirated and that had a small consequences in the markets then the rates were brought down and then rest is history and then of course 2020 first quarter we had uh, the covid and the rates fell at that point of time to 0.43 and uh, we were at that rate for a long time and then we slowly made our way up and now we are at you know we were contemplating in 2021 in the last quarter uh, whether we would hit 2% lo and behold uh, we somehow survived uh, i think now we have crossed uh, which is showing which is telling the market that there is an imminent interest rate hike because inflation has not gone down despite all these issues confronting the world and in asia news shanghai and shenzhen witness spikes in covid cases and are on the verge of a shutdown hong kong cases also surpass 32000 viewers those of you who don't know this it's right across shenzhen hong hong kong and shenzhen are more or less you know separated by a few kilometers you you cross a bridge and you are in shenzhen so anything that happens in shenzhen is going to have a spillover in hong kong this is the next wave from the looks of it sridhar ji what do we know about this wave i think it's very little as you rightly pointed out um you know it's probable that the cases are moving from hong kong into shenzhen it's a small uh, you know i think 14 or 16 million is the population the cases were about few hundred now uh, today apparently it has crossed 3000 in number so the chinese authorities have taken extra precaution and basically shut are on the verge of shutdown uh, and that's certainly clearly sent uh, markets tumbling in china as well as in hong kong markets were down about 5% uh, today so uh, hong kong remains an issue the spillover is now beginning to be seen there are talks of another variant uh, but let's wait and see before we jump the gun maybe within the, by the time we get to the next show we will know about this variant always when they announce these variants they tell you that it is more fatalistic this than the earlier one it is 40 60 times uh, you know uh, what you call a uh, combative uh, in terms of uh, the the impact from the virus but let's wait and see and taiwanese president calls for an all out defense strategy in the event of war and experts opine that the defense of taiwan would be different mike pompeo wants biden administration that china is watching us weakness in ukraine while eyeing taiwan sridhar ji i have something to add to what you are saying please 
share your thoughts sir no i think the basically taiwan is very much on the radar uh, and uh, taiwan lost uh, one of this their uh, uh what you call the stealth planes this is the second crash that has happened whether it is a result of combat or whether it's a crash we don't know uh but china has is uh, taiwan is being advised very actively by a number of independent so called experts uh, or experts in the respective domains mike pompeo has been very vocal that it requires uh an explicit security guarantee not ambiguity from united states but taiwan is also seems to be preparing itself adequately the question therefore is how much china is prepared to risk uh based on what they are seeing remains a question mark but this is very much on the radar sir and japan urges crypto exchanges to act in line with sanctions against russia many russian travelers across asia are stranded with little access to cash and restrictions um sridhar ji regarding crypto exchanges like coinbase and so on and so forth all these are are they profitable sir first off uh there are two ways to answer your question they don't there there's no transparent accounting uh there is no public accountability for this any of these exchanges except for coin which is in the uh so many of them are making money many of them don't pay taxes many of them are in uh, you know off tax havens so they are uh, privately funded and they are uh, you know they're making money off those transactions they're privately funded so the question of profitability uh, are they profitable in my humble view they are profitable not all uh, we talked about this in one of the crypto shows that we did when you take away you know there are about 8000 of these uh, coins and you know there's a empty number of exchanges about 5 6 7 you know not more than 10 of them have active volume and they are profitable rest of them are in for the game with the hope that funding will continue and they can sustain that's the way it is but it's very there are two important observations as a result of this one japan is taking a very 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 active look at all these travelers because japan and korea are two of the venues where you have these exchanges where there is possibly russian wallets and russians are desperate who are overseas because they have no access to mastercard visa payment system recall mastercard visa payment systems are cut off from the checking accounts of the russian consumers who have accounts in russian banks so this desperation there's also desperation in new york people are trying to sell their properties like a fire sale and leave united states united states or russia sir united states sir. these are people in united states uh who are trying to sell some of their properties make cash and leave to leave for where sir go back to russia or go back to wherever an alternative venue where uh, they are uh, accepted belarus maybe they they don't have access they don't have they don't its sanctions are having an impact on their ability to access transactions well um the other interesting thing i'm hearing sir and i don't know how true this is is that any american business that is leaving us i'm sorry you, uh, leaving russia the property that they have built all the stuff is being confiscated by the russians also so essentially when let's say normalcy returns say morgan uh, stanley had had a building in moscow no no guarantee that they are going to be having it there when they go back it's not shuttered we don't know i, I this is what i'm hearing sir i don't know if there is any truth in this or not no there is substantial truth in what you have stated 
you know, myself, I've been with, you know, three banks, was with three banks. We take a cautious approach in uh, the country risk of some of these uh, places has, has a very high uh, risk profile. There's a constant review with the government. So many of the uh, barring manufacturing, small manufacturing uh, com complexes, which is established with some kind of a joint venture between the local partner and the US, US investors, many of them you will, you, you will observe, uh, you know, have leased properties or have, uh, you know, have some kind of uh, mechanism by which uh, they can exit, they can exit uh, without a significant consequences of, on the balance sheet, especially properties especially properties of the financial institution, uh, you know, of the leading industrial complexes. And newly elected South Korean president, Yoon Suk-yeol, is expected to take a hardline stance against North Korea and have policies more aligned with the West. South Korea and global media are reporting that North Korea could launch the largest intercontinental ballistic missile as yet escalating tensions in the Korean peninsula. Sridharji, this uh, change in leadership in South Korea, because it's a democracy, I think life goes on. I mean, you may have a little bit of shift from, you know, center to left or center to right, but I don't think South Korea is going to overnight change its policy, is it? They're expecting this trilateral agreement, which has been stalled between South Korea, Japan, uh, and United States. Uh, Mr. Kishida spoke with uh, Mr. Uh, the, the South Korean president on Friday, today is Monday, uh, and Mr. Yoon has expressed his desire to have a much more open and direct partnership with U.S. And he also wants to be more, uh, what you call, responsive with regards to the provocative policies of uh, the North Korean not uh, North Korean uh, leader. North Korean leader has been, whereas the Moon Ray has been trying to see whether he can have a dialogue and he was not in favor of this trilateral agreement. South Korea, Japan tensions remained, but this change in leadership in South Korea may augur well in terms of the broader collaboration between US, Korea and Japan, especially in the Korean Peninsula, as well as in that uh, upper stretches of the Taiwan Strait. And in West Asia news, Iranian Erbil attack, a preview of things to come after Iranian Revolutionary Guard takes responsibility and says that it is in response to Israeli drone attack. US worried, US working to help Iraq to get missile defense capabilities for defense against drone and rocket attacks. Sridharji, the Iran-US nuclear talks with the West, that's one side. Now, Iran on its own goes and attacks something in Iraq, which is actually very close to the U.S. consulate. Uh, I think it is U.S. consulate or US, U.S. property. Let's make it more generic. How does Iran expect U.S. to come back and sit on a negotiating table, Sridharji? It's a very uh, fascinating, uh, you know, uh, what you call discretionary actions that they are going on. This is the Iranian Republican uh, Revolutionary Guard. Uh, IRGC. This is the group that has claimed responsibility. Probably it's the rebels. Okay. This is happening in uh, Ibril, which is in Tikrit, uh, um, or the Kurd areas. 
So there is those tensions in that region between, if we all remember that there is some kind of uh, uh, independent federal structure that prevails between Iraq and that specific, uh, the Kurdish region. So this is again, you know, the Shias trying to exert the influence, whether they are ignored by some other people, we don't know. And they do not want a U.S. security buffer, and they want U.S. to leave. Very similar to what U.S. did in the mainland Iraq. And in India news, trade and free trade agreement discussions with Mexico, Colombia, and Australia are undeterred by the Russia-Ukraine conflict. India is apparently edging closer to setting up an alternate payment system to continue to trade with a sanctions hit. Russia. I think rupee-ruble trade is being talked about quite a bit, Sridharji, which means that if Russia needs something from India, it will pay for it in rupees. And if India needs something from Russia, it will pay for it in rubles. How realistic is this, sir? And is Uncle Sam going to sit and watch this? Well, firstly, I think they have. Uh, they can do that if there is a bank-to-bank -bank communication and if there is a bank-to-bank ledger-based payment transfers which bypasses any payment system so they can do that so as you said it's a india ruble uh, account apparently india shortlisted two banks um i think i'm told um you know my the facts needs to be validated uco bank and state bank of india to conduct this transaction they are extremely concerned about fertilizers in india is reliant on fertilizers from russia and agriculture has been one of the hot topics in india as you all are aware and the farm the farming community needs those fertilizers so how this is going to play out and india is very brave and bold to say they will break the sanctions and they will make sure that their supply continues and they continue to make a payment. This is the reason why, if you go back to the earlier segments that we talked about, Vladimir is raising questions around nations trying to create a blockade on three, three areas, oil, gas, and fertilizers, which is a big source of income to them. Next probably is coming is wheat. So these are very, very big areas for Russia. And you can see India taking extraordinary steps. I don't know what U.S. is going to do, what the world is going to do, sir. I think India has been taking a very different approach. I won't use the word strange, very different approach. And, uh, you know, there could be some consequences coming out of it. I'm sure India has factored that in. And, and viewers, I'm going to uh, ask you to go back and look at a video I put out yesterday, just a five-minute video. And the first part of that video deals with what happened in the Quad meeting that, had, that took place on the 5th of March. And Biden was allegedly asking President, uh, Prime Minister Modi to censor uh, Russia in the Quad meeting. And Modi just essentially said, Quad is for Indo-Pacific matters. And he didn't want to say yes or no, but he said effectively shut the door on talking about Russia in a quad meeting. So there are, there are, you know, these are all, you know, indirect ways in which the U.S. is trying to arm twist India, I think. So there is going to be some consequences. So we have to wait and see how this plays out. Interestingly, uh, India has now sort of hinted to U.S. that 
even if you don't want to come to our help, should there be a conflict with Russia, we think we have an alternate plan. I'm reading between the lines here. I have no basis for saying this, but for Modi to stand up to Biden at a time when U.S. is really breathing down the necks of everybody, including the other two quad partners, for Modi to take that stand is extremely brave, but he knows something that perhaps the others don't know. And I want you all to use your imagination and look back at what happened last week in Pakistan and you will know what I'm talking about. Let's move on. I don't want to dwell on this too much because I don't have any facts. I'm just connecting dots. Sridharji, I'll give you a chance to respond to what I just said and, and then we can go on to the next news item, sir. Well, I think uh, uh, it's not just uh, we covered this, I think, if you recall last week. Uh, besides your, you know, your, uh, you know, program, uh, both Japan and Australia made a call. Uh, Mr. Kishida made a call, not this, uh, not last Friday, but the Friday prior. He made a call to Prime Minister Modi on asking him to support the resolution at the United Nations and take a stand. Scott Morrison, the Australian Prime Minister, called and asked Modi to take a stand. In both instances, uh, you know, they abstained. And what happened in that Quad meeting, you know, we all know uh, it's very well uh, to some extent the snippets of information has come out. Um, in India has taken a very different position. We have covered this in, again, Global Insights. When you look at the relative volume of trade between India and Russia, relative to the other trading partners that india trades with especially the top five trading partners russia is the 28th trading partner i am told by in the long list of uh, people but it's a very strange position india has taken probably modiji knows what he's doing indian external affairs minister to make a statement to both houses of parliament on tuesday on the Russia-Ukraine war and the rescue efforts. I think this is probably one of the first statements that India is officially making through its external affairs minister on what happened in this thus far. It's going to be interesting. I do urge everyone to watch this. And I'll let you have the last word, Siddharthi. But before that, viewers, we are going to be back in about 90 minutes with Abhijit on Ask Abhijit. And we're going to talk about uh, Kashmir Files, his impressions on what he thought the movie was. And, and that's just an aside. Sridharji, over to you, sir. No, I think that the, uh, the your observations is the first statement. Uh, the whole focus has been around the rescue operations. And probably he will also issue a statement as it relates to uh, how India is preparing itself with regard to the strategic partnership with Russia and the consequences of the sanctions and how it plans to live and deal with the global community as it uh, adopts this two-pronged approach of doing business with Russia, but at the same time uh, being in you know global platforms with many of the Western nations. Thank you very much, Sridharji. And as always, we'll be back on Wednesday. Please do like, share, and subscribe to our channel. And do not forget to click on the bell button. Namaskar. Namaskar. Thank you. Have a wonderful day.